Good morning, church. Buenos días. Excellent. Well, we are in this sermon series on stewardship. This is our stewardship month, and we want to introduce the staff to you just to remind you that when you support St. John with your talents, your time, and your treasures, you are also supporting the staff uh, of the church, and they lead us in so many, so many wonderful programs and missions. So I want to introduce you to one of our own Beth. Can you come forward? Yes. You put your hands together. Larry, her husband is the only one excited here now. <laughs> Who you are, what you do. Good morning. My name is Beth Smith. I'm the administrative assistant here at the front office. Uh, I took over the role about uh, four or five months ago when Catherine retired. Uh, one of the main things I do is I do a lot of the communication to the congregation in regards to announcements and uh, social media posts, uh, weekly email, and all that good stuff. Um, I found my way here through uh, my husband, Larry Smith, who normally sits back there in that sound booth. Um, when they were uh, announcing that that role was opening up, uh, as he was listening to it, he thought, hmm, I think my wife would really like that. And he was right. <laughs> I really like it here. Uh, I've met so many wonderful people. You've just been so welcoming and uh, warm and, and caring, and it's just been a really great uh, transition for me. So thank you. Thank you. Well, Beth is awesome, and she has a wonderful voice. So when you go to St. John, you're going to hear this. Thank you for calling St. John. This is Beth. Hi. Can, how can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. God bless you. She will be hired by Siri or someone. I don't know. She's, she has a beautiful voice, uh, the way she responds. And Cheryl. I don't know if Cheryl. Cheryl. Um, welcome, Cheryl. Your name, what you do. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Cheryl McLean, and I'm the director of the after-school program and the summer camp program. And I see some of my families here. Anyway, just a little bit about what we do. Um, we have 75 kids in the program now, which is big for us. Um, we provide a safe, fun, loving environment for them, and, and we're here to help the community the community that is part of the working uh, families and their kids have a place to go after school. We feed them, we play games, we do homework, we do it all. So we're here and love for any of you all to stop by and visit us if you can take the noise. <laughs> yes, thank you. Excellent. So there is so much happening here at St. John. So we also went to Dominican Republic um, so the trip was planned, and they didn't know that they were getting a Hispanic pastor. <laughs> so I signed up for the trip at the last minute and was able to go. But I want to um, share a report. We're going to share a report as a team and for you to learn. Next year, we're going again, hopefully in the name of Jesus, um, and we're planning for a spring break, fall, a spring break. So children can go, and hopefully my daughter can go, and, and things like that. So report.
My name is Michael Belt, and I had the pleasure to go on the mission trip a couple weeks ago with uh, six other folks. And today I want to just share a little bit about our trip beyond the video. We're going to try to multitask a little bit. We're going to show some slides with a little commentary, and you can try to listen to me at the same time so we can use our time wisely. First of all, though, I want to thank you all for your prayers and your support as we were getting ready for this trip. We kind of jammed a lot of stuff in at the very last minute to make the trip work. We moved a couple times throughout the year, but it was all in God's timing. So thank you very much. So did you know that uh, in 2005, Will and Audrey Parton were sent from this church to go become missionaries in the Dominican Republic? Since that time, we've sent a mission trip to the DR every year except for during the pandemic. If you've gone to the DR on a mission trip in the last... 15, 20 years. Would you stand up, please? Ed, I see you back there, buddy. Thank you. Stephen went too, but he didn't stand up. That's all right. We'll get to that in a minute. No. Um, so I asked the team, rather than trying to just create what, I, what my impressions were, I asked the team for some input of what, what the trip meant to them. So Jason Corfitz said, uh, unique examples of service from the team at Go, teaching, healing, distributing meals, construction, decorating, playing sports, etc. So many ways to engage others with the love of Christ. He also said, language barrier is a myth. 
Certainly speaking the same language is helpful and critical for a deeper discussion, but Jesus' love is universal. It can be shown and felt regardless of not having the words. Andrew Soane said, It was great to connect with the local missionaries and local church leaders to see the success they're having in the communities. So exciting to see GOES discipleship making strategy in action to grow local churches. It's working and bringing Christ to life. Stephen Lundy said, The relationships that build with the team in a way that cannot be done in any other way, loving and serving one another while worshiping every day. The model and experience of the early church is beautiful and will help us all build community back home. He also said, in the midst of difficult and challenging physical environments, we get to see the beauty of the people in the Dominican Republic and realize we are all human, we're all children of God. Nancy Corfich said, I loved working with and getting to know the local missionaries and all of the ghost staff. It was obvious that they worked well together, loved each other, and worked as an extension of Jesus' hands and feet. I fell in love with the people in the DR, but not the traffic. Every interaction was pleasant and was met with a big smile. They are beautiful people who appreciate any help, any kindness, and love to hug. My kind of folks. She also said it was such a privilege to be with my husband on this trip. I got to watch him go on his very first mission trip outside of the United States. The best part now is that we have, shared, we have a shared experience, and that has catapulted us to seek more ways to serve and honor the Lord. Bailey Parmley, who goes to a different church, but she works with me at Go, but had never gone on a mission trip to the Dominican, so she joined our team. Bailey said, I was reminded that discipleship doesn't have to be complicated. Each of the service projects we were a part of were really simple, but they opened the doors for us to get to know the people we served alongside and for the local pastors to build relationships with their neighbors. It was a gift to see the local church love its neighbors so well. Community and hospitality are very important in Dominican culture, especially in the church, and it encouraged me to want to do the same with my neighbors. I was also reminded of how big the global church is. The pastors and local leaders were met, we met, are still ministering to their communities, even after we leave. And Santiago is just one of thousands of cities where the gospel continues to spread. Getting outside of my own church context reminded me of how God is present in every corner of the world. So the videos and the screens and the, the pictures that you saw really is just shows the stuff that we did. But what really, really what we were trying to do is be the hands and feet of Jesus, serving those who need it the most. We helped the local pastors make disciples by providing opportunities for him to engage his congregation and their neighbors. There are two very specific uh, God sightings, if you call it that, that, that I would uh, that I recall from my part of the trip. One was you saw the, the video of, uh, of Andrew trying to beat all the kids in, in musical chairs, and you know, that was a great time. But these Haitian kids, the life that they live in, the environment that they live in, for us to have all those games and then sit down on the floor, in many cases, lay down on the floor and color biblical coloring pages was priceless. In a, in a world that they live in, to have that kind of calm, which probably is very rare for them. And the second one was, when we went into a women's prison, we were invited to come in and help them decorate for Christmas. Christmas decoration starts in the DR about October 1st. They don't have Thanksgiving, uh, not like ours. Um, and it's a big deal. So we are there decorating, helping decorate Christmas tree, 
and coloring, again coloring, with pencils with these ladies who are in prison, um, Christmas coloring sheets. And to sit and hear them laugh and giggle um, in an environment where they probably don't get to do that very often. So that, that was very precious to me. Now, this last slide you see here, we left this up. One thing that, it, it's very funny, St. John has had this tradition, we sing grace for every meal. And, and so it's funny, Bailey even said that she was going to have her family sing it for Thanksgiving. So that, that's kind of interesting. Um, but the lady on the right, the lady on the right is 93 years old. She's the oldest short-term missionary we sent to the island this year. Our youngest was seven. The reason I bring that up is age, uh, let me try that again. You're always able to show your faith, and you never really retire from being a Christian or from being a disciple maker. And this lady holding this little Dominican child shows that Christ's love is everywhere and for everyone. So we were blessed that we could have, have it, we, we were blessed more than we can imagine, and we can't wait to return in fall break, fall break, fall break of next year. So we will start our planning process uh, after the new year so we can have plenty of time to plan. And uh, thank you for all of your support. So Dios bendiga. God bless you. Excelente. Excelente. I want to see you dance again. You know, that was like, it needs, it needs some, some, some Hispanic blood so you can dance. <laughs> but love covers multitudes of things, so you, you are forgiven. Um, so we are in, in a sermon series on wealth, kingdom wealth. We believe that our financial life is also part of our discipleship. So if you're going to say, I don't understand yours more, this is your opportunity. Because we're going to be asking uh, for your commitment. So when the police stopped me and he asked me, do you know why I stopped you? I say, sorry, no English, no English. <laughs> <laughs> so now that I'm going to challenge you to pledge, to give to the church, you can say, uh, no understand yours more. The reality is, and the question is, do you understand Yosmar or do you want to understand? That's the, the, the real question. It's not if you understand, it's do you want to understand? Because if you want to understand, you pay attention, you listen, and you go the extra mile. But that's, that's what God is doing through this. Uh, this is one of the topics in the church that pastors usually are uncomfortable to talk about money. But the reality is that money is part of our conversation 24-7, part of our lives. So if we don't talk about it, we are leaving a huge part of discipleship out of um, the conversation. So we are going to um, preach and teach today from Mark 12, 44. And this is a powerful passage where Jesus is calling out this woman who is giving um, out of sacrifice. And he says, the um, gospel described this event. They, they all gave out of their wealth, Jesus speaking, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So Jesus was watching this, and Jesus was seeing, um, you know, this event during the giving in the church, and he paid attention to this and, and celebrated this woman for giving 
um, out of her poverty. Now, last Sunday, if you were not here, last Sunday I just established the fact that tithing, um, offerings, alms, these are giving expressions of our discipleship that began actually, it is a historical teaching from Genesis to Revelation, you're going to see this. And I established and showed you and taught you that this began actually in Genesis with Abraham and then Isaac and Jacob, and we also saw Jacob um, making this covenant with God about tithing. So this is a principle that really began 500 years earlier before the law was given. And this is so important because a lot of teaching that you hear about tithing or giving is very legalistic. Like if you don't give, you are cursed and you have to give out of obligation. And that's not what um, Jesus is teaching us because we are part of a new covenant. We are part of the covenant in Jesus, which is a new priesthood. In Hebrews 7, 8, Jesus uh, is being, we are highlighting Jesus as the high priest, and the author of Hebrew, of the Hebrew book, is teaching us and making a comparison between the Levitical priesthood and Jesus' priesthood. Levi and Melchizedek, and he's making this case, saying that we are now under a better covenant, and that covenant is in Jesus, and he is establishing and saying, in the past, people who die, all these priests, they are the one, they were the one collecting the tithing and the offerings. But now, in this new covenant, Jesus is the one doing it. He's the one and he's alive. So when he's teaching through the gospel, and we see a powerful internal consistency of, the, of these four gospels, you have it in the Bible all together, but those are different documents. <laughs> And you need to highlight and understand, we want to highlight so we understand that the internal consistency that we see on Jesus' teaching about this is powerful. We have different people reporting the same uh, events and how Jesus is teaching and how Jesus wants us to understand what giving is all about. Now, in the law of Moses, in the Levitical uh, priesthood, tithing was very essential. To do what? For very reasons. And you have different type of tithing in the Old Testament. They were supporting the Levites. They were supporting the temple and all the worship of the temple, but also all the feast and the things that um, they were doing to support the ministry in the house of the Lord. So now, when Jesus comes, he begins to challenge us differently, in a different way, because he's saying, this is not about percentage. This is about your life. So I'm not going after your wallet. I'm going after your heart. And I want you to give not based on percentage, but based on gratitude out of the, out of, as, as a response to grace, as a response to what, I'm, what I did for you. So Jesus died on the cross. He gave his life. And now he's saying, I want you to give your whole life. Not 10% not of your life, but your whole life. Because money is life. That's why people don't want to give it. Because for you to make money, you have to give what? Life. You spend hours away from your family. Hours away from your friends to make this money. So money is life. That's why people, when they are going to, be, to get baptized, the first thing they do, take the wallet out. 
right? Because we don't want to give that, you know? So it's, it's important to know that Jesus is not talking about money because money is important for you. He's talking about money and because money is an expression of life. It's so important that we understand that. So in 2 Corinthians 8, 12, the teaching here is, for if the willingness is there, where? In the heart. The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So what Jesus is saying here is, it's not about what you want to have or what you don't have. It's about your heart. And then about what you have. So if you don't have anything, God will not ask you anything. But when you have and he has blessed you, then he's saying, now give back. Bless other people. Give back. And now... Jesus is also shifting this mindset, and he's saying, with Moses, all the giving was to support one people, one temple, one expression of worship. Now, I'm calling you to make disciples of all nations. So this is why I want you to give beyond, even more, because now we're not talking about maintenance of the house of God. We're talking about a movement of making disciples for the transformation of the world. So money is not the main thing in the church, but we need to talk about it because money helps the church, our resources, our treasures, help the church fuel the mission to make more disciples and plant more churches and make more disciples and plant more churches. And when we do this, then we are surrendering all that we have, everything we are, to Jesus, because you, you or I, we cannot serve two masters, only one. So when Jesus is your master, when Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you submit everything to him, including your finances. But if money is your master, then everything is about money, and you don't have time for the kingdom of God. You don't have time to do anything else outside of making, making more money. And in America, that's a challenge that we have. That's the American dream, right? So we, even when I came to America, that was the, the goal. Just make more money, make money, make money. Make money, have a big house. I share with it, that with you. Have a big house, one, one uh, dog, two cars, uh, two kids. That's what the, the plan, right? But then when you actually have an encounter with Jesus, you begin to shift your understanding that what is important. So it's nothing wrong with making money because God gave us the gifts, the ideas, the vision. He gave us creation. He wants us to collaborate with him in this idea of finishing the work. We are collaborating. We are joining the creator in finishing and expanding the creation here on earth. So that, there's nothing wrong with making money. The problem is when we make money our God. The problem is when we get attached to money and becomes the most important thing. It's not. It's not. When you die, you cannot take money with you. That's a, that's a good example. You can take what? Your experiences, what you did. Make treasures in heaven. That's what Jesus is challenging us to do. So, Jesus does not prescribe a specific law of tithing. You will not see that in the New Testament, where Jesus is saying to you, you have to tithe. You have to tithe. No. Jesus called his church for a deeper commitment beyond a fixed percent. He's asking just to respond to grace with everything you are, everything you have. Sacrificial giving, sacrificial love. 
because he did it for us on the cross. Now, I'm going to share two or three principles that we see from Jesus himself who is teaching about money. I also read a little bit of Mark 12, 44, but here I want to just read a little bit more of that because here Jesus explains from the beginning what is happening. And here it says, Jesus teaching, and he says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in, lar threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put into very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. And then verse 44, I already read it to you. But here is what I want to highlight. It says that Jesus was watching the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. You know what that means? Jesus is watching every time we get the offering. He's looking. He's looking. Next Monday, next Sunday, the 19th, we're going to have our pledge. We're going to commit. We're going to make a commitment and covenant with God. He will be also looking. Not to the amount that you are giving. He's looking to your heart. Looking into your heart and see how grateful, how grateful we are. So this teaching here is, you know, let's not give to show of, out of abundance. Let's give and encourage a sacrificial giving, a heartfelt giving. So don't, every time, if you do tithing every month or offering every month, don't do it just like check, box, check the box and give, give. Put your heart in it. Pray about it. Be sinful. Include your, your family. Include your children like Abraham did with Jacob and Isaac. Teach them that we are stewards. We are caretakers. We are not owners. We don't own anything. And teach them that this house you're living in belongs to God. You belong to God. Everything belongs to God. The house on the beach belongs to God and the boat too. Everything. So we are stewards. And one day it will pass to you and you have to be a good steward too. Not a good owner. A good what? Steward. Because everything belongs to God. And when we understand that, we begin to shift this mindset that me, 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 I own everything. You don't own anything. A flood comes in and you realize really fast, with a flood, that you don't own anything. You don't own anything. We don't own anything. We only own our own lives. Principle number two, giving in secret. This teaching emphasizes humility and genuine motivation in our giving. This Matthew 6, Jesus' teaching, when you give, do it in secret. And you need to know something that maybe many of you are not aware, but we have members in this church that when, the, when St. John is facing a financial challenge, we have members in this church that support the church outside of tithing, and they give, and they said, I don't want no one to know. So they are living this principle, and they give. And because of that, we can continue advancing the kingdom of God here at St. John. Many, many times. They come in and they give and they don't want no one to know. Don't mention it. I don't want a thank you. I don't want my name in it. Wow. You know, that's what God is looking for. This motivation, 
the motivation of your heart in your giving. So giving in secret, as I said last Sunday, don't go to Facebook and say, I'm giving, check, like. <laughs> We're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to do that. Because God says that your father who sees you in secret will reward you in public. If you are after likes, that's your reward. If you are after the father's reward, God will see you and bless you. Another powerful story and teaching here, Jesus teaching us, the rich young ruler. And this is a powerful um, story because Jesus called this guy to follow him. And every time he did that, people followed him except this guy. So he could be easily one of the disciples. He could be 13 disciples, but we have 12 because this guy said no. He said, follow me. Give everything you have to the poor, everything to the poor, and follow me. And this is what the principle says, the unwillingness of this person, of this young ruler, to leave wealth behind, revealed that he was more attached to wealth and to money than to God's love and his mission. What is important here also is that when God asked Abraham for his son, you know, God has this idea of asking you for things that he don't want. And every time he does that, he does that to reveal, your, to, to reveal our hearts. So he has this tendency to ask for things that he doesn't want, actually. He just wants to, to rebuild your heart. So for us to see and understand so he asked Abraham, give me your son. Did he want his son? No. He wanted to see his heart. To this man, he said, give everything to the poor. Just to reveal his heart. Because he said, in Jesus' face, because sometimes we want to be smarter. We believe that we know more than God. And he said to, to him, I've be, I kept all the commands. I know all the comments. I've been practicing the Ten Commands from my, from, from my youth. That's what he said. Really? Give everything to the poor. <laughs> he went away sad. Because no one can live out the Ten Commandments. No one. We all fail at, at that. We need Jesus. But the powerful story is, when you compare this story with the next stories, Zacchaeus, and this guy... <laughs> had an encounter with Jesus, look at the difference, the contrast, the difference in heart, the difference. When, he, when Zacchaeus had a, an experience with Jesus, he was excited and on fire, and he said, you know what, I'm going to give back, I'm going to give half, percent, uh, uh, half a percent of all my possessions to the poor, and I'm going to pay four times. If I cheated, and he did, Four times, I'm going to pay four times. I'm going to give half of my, pos my possessions to the poor. He was excited. He shifted. Before that, for Zacchaeus, everything was money, 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 making money, talking about money, budget, money, more money, wealth, money. He had an encounter with Jesus. Shoof. Priorities change. Now he say, I'm going to give not 10%, 50%. I'm going to give half of my possession to the poor. And if I cheated, and I did, I'm going to pay four times. He was going above and beyond. Change of heart, a change of heart. 
a change of heart, compassion, now became the, for, the forefront of his actions. And that's the, the right order. His priorities change. What are the priorities in the kingdom of God? Well, God first. Who's first? God first. Then what? Then family. Then what? Then the church. Then what? Work or business. And everything else go afterwards. That's the right order. But here, because when we don't have discipleship as in the center, and Jesus at the center in discipleship as a way of life, we have all our priorities are upside down. And even we say with our mouth, no, family. Family is a value. Family is first. But when I see your life, show me where your time is going, and I will show you what your priorities, where your priorities are. Show me your bank account. Give me your bank statements. Give me your taxes. And, I will, and, and people can tell. Numbers don't lie. Where the money is going, where the time is going, that's your priority. That's your main priority. So when you really want to do this, you have to say, God, I repent. Give me this new way of understanding. I'm not giving because, because I, I'm, I will be cursed or because of the law, because, out of obligation, because Joe sent a letter saying it's time to give. Or the finance team is calling or the pastor is calling or Yosmar is preaching. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm giving out of love. I'm grateful. I want to be a, a passionate spiritual disciple, and I want finances to be also submit my finances to the cross. Everything to the cross. Everything to the cross. Now, this month is our stewardship campaign month, but you need to know that this is not a St. John practice. This is an ancient church Practice The church in the book of Acts has been practicing this from the very beginning. And Paul is celebrating this church, uh, a church, the church of, of the Macedonian, the Macedonian churches. Uh, and they were going through trials, but, uh, and they were, they were poor, but they were overflowing in joy, in joy when they came to them and said, it's time to give. Let's, let's, let's put together an offering to help people. And he said they were in extreme poverty, but they were rich in what? Generosity. Rich in generosity. And Paul is saying, I testified that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. That's, 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 when, that's gratitude right there. That's gratitude. Just give, not only just give and check the box, it's just give beyond, beyond your ability. Give Give yourself. And then at the last, in the last piece, it says, they exceeded our expectations and they gave themselves first off to the Lord. So the people who give themselves first to the Lord, they will submit everything else. Their talents, their times, their treasures, everything. Because once you give your heart to Jesus, everything follows. It's so easy to do this. When you, end, when you surrender to Jesus and the cross. So, poverty isn't just about money. It's about lacking a generous heart. I've been planting churches among people who has nothing, but I preach with the same passion and the same clarity I'm preaching this morning. Why? Because this is not about how much you have. It's about having the right heart. 
So if I have an audience and, they have, and the audience have $10, I will preach with the same passion. If the audience have nothing, I will continue preaching with the same passion because this is about discipleship. It's about life transformation. It's not about money. Jesus is not going after your wallet. He's going after your heart. And that's what God wants to highlight through all this teaching. And that's what Jesus wants to teach us again and again. What is, how is it with your soul? How is it with your heart? How is it? Call to action. Well, three actions. You know, you know I like to challenge and always we, we, we need to have some response to God's word. So here are three. Heart decision. In other words, make a heartfelt decision to put God first and become a, 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 a practice sacrificial discipleship radical uh, generosity in all aspects of life. So reflect about this and understand that God is calling us to give our own lives and beyond that. But if we are grateful, let's submit all our life to God. Two, regular giving. Commit to giving regularly whether it's 10% or less or more. Remember, this is discipleship. So you cannot give 10%, just give five. As long as you acknowledge where you are, because we all need to start somewhere, then you start growing. Hopefully you will not die tomorrow, so you have time to, because you have time to grow in your discipleship. Maybe next year you go to 7%. Maybe next year you go, and you start growing, or you start with 10, and you will go to 12. I don't know. It's your life, it's your heart, it's your finances, and that's what God says. It's not about what you have. It's about your heart. You know how God has blessed you. You know. I don't know. You know. So what you need to know is pray, decide to do this regularly, do it with intention, not, not just casual, as a casual action, but intentional. Don't, don't worry about what other people are giving. Don't worry about giving to show other people. Just give to show God. He's looking to your heart. He knows. He knows. You don't have to convince anyone. You don't you need to prove anything to me or to Joe or to your neighbor or to the one sitting. Just do it out of your heart. He knows your heart. He knows your heart. He knows how much you can give, and he knows where you are. So important. And finally, honoring pledges. So we, we do this every year. We do a pledge every year. And next year, next Sunday, the 19th, the whole church is coming to make a pledge. Now, pledge is honoring. It's part of the covenant. We're making a covenant. We're anticipating. We're saying God is our provider, not us. And by faith, we're going to pledge. We believe that God is Jehovah Jireh. He's the owner of all our resources. In 2024, he's going to bless us. And based on that, I'm going to covenant with God. But once you do it, you have to honor it. Don't forget this, because the, the, the reality is that every time we want to do something to grow as a, as a disciple, you are going to be tested. It's not going to be easy. It's if easy, something is wrong. You're supposed to be uncomfortable and, and asking God for revelation and more faith to, to press forward, because you are going to be attacked from all directions, so you break your commitment. That's the way it is. 
It's easier when you uh, have everything and you have no battles, everything is awesome, you go fine, you write your check. That's not when you're tested. You are tested when you look at your finances and like the video that I played last week and you have all these responsibilities and you go like, how am I going to tithe? Okay, out of obedience, out of faith, in the name of Jesus, here it is. And God will come and show up and show you that he's the one who owns your finances, not you. He wants to bless you. That's the way God moves. But you, you know, you, that's, that's, the, that's the challenge with our pledges for next year. So, reflect, 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 reflect. Reflect about this. Examine your financial motive. Every month, every week, think about this. Develop a commitment uh, to be happy regardless of what you have. The world is made of stuff, but it's more than that. There is love, there is care. Let's make the ultimate good, the supreme good, God. Redefine success and priority. What is success? Doing what God called me to do. What is success? Walking in what God created me to walk, doing what he created me to do. That's true success. And organize your priorities, shift your mindset, put God first, invest your time, your talents, and your resources in things that have eternal significance. When we do that, we're going to be shifting in a way that is powerful. Now I'm going to ask you to read this together and knowing that when we give, we're helping God to manifest his love on earth. Let's read this together. One, two, three, go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we strive to be holistic givers and embrace radical generosity in the kingdom of God, may we remember that our time, talents, and treasures are entrusted to us by you, Lord. Let us use them wisely and generously, knowing that our giving reflects our love for you and our commitment to serving your people. Let us commit to living as radical givers, embodying the spirit of generosity, not by the letter of the law, but by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's, uh, let's take this time to open our hearts up to see how God's moving in our lives, how he's calling us. Uh, I know giving is such a hard thing to talk about. But God is the giver. He is the giver of all good things. He will provide the honey in the rock. He will provide the way when we don't know there is a way. Let's, uh, let's worship God. Let's offer him our praise. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, manna on the ground, no 
matter where I go, I don't need to worry now that I know everything I need you've got. There's honey in the rock. Praying for a miracle, thirsty for the living well. Only you can satisfy. Sweetness at the mercy seat. Now I've tasted, it's not hard to see. Only you can satisfy. There's honey in the rock. 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 Freedom, where the spirit is, bounty in the wilderness, you will always satisfy. It's honey in the rock, water in the stone, and on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know everything I need you got. Honey in the rock, purpose in your plan, power in the blood, healing in your hands. Started flowing when you said it is done. Everything you did clean up. So I keep looking, I keep finding. You keep giving, keep providing. I have all that I Try. 
trust in you, Jesus. Oh, how sweet, how sweet it is to trust in you, Jesus. Oh, how sweet, how sweet it is to trust in you, Jesus. How about we keep praising God, huh? He's worthy, isn't he? He calls us to shine for him. He calls us to shine his great light into this world that we know can be so dark. But all we got to do is point to him and he'll take care of the rest. sun awakening the early dawn and we're rising up to give you praise Lord we have seen the stars and moon see how they shine they shine for you and you're calling us to do the same so we rise up with a song and we rise up with a cry and we're giving you our lives and we will shine like stars in the universe holding out your truth in the darkest place and we'll be living for your We'll be living for your glory. We have seen the rising sun awakening the early dawn and rising up to give you praise. But we have seen the stars and moon see how they shine, they shine for you. And you're calling us to do the same. So we rise up with a song, and we rise up with a cry, and we're giving you our lives. We will shine like stars in the will be living for your glory and we will burn so bright with your praise oh God and declare your life to this broken world we'll be living for your glory it's Jesus will be sun so rainy sending light for all to see let your holy church arise exploding into life like a supernova's light set your holy church on fire the sun so radiantly sending light for all to see 
shine. God bless you. Right. 